Welcome to episode 41 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for Hockey Ohio, covering every level played from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all the happenings with hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim Sullivan. I'm joined by Jason Lewandowski, producer Dan Humphrey, and manager has joined us live again, Scott Harrington. He must think episode 41 is going to be good because he's here. (laughs) With On Air, we are bringing you fresh content and adding voices, names, faces to interesting people making the Ohio hockey community better. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by Team Ohio. Time in the rink as a Team Ohio player is about more than competition. It's about seizing opportunities to grow as athletes, being a great teammate, and part of of the community. That's why Team Ohio's premier Tier 2 hockey program welcomes youth players ages 5 to 18 years old to join the nationally lauded program. With reasonable fees, transparency, and athlete development that has prepped players for teams at all levels, Team Ohio is here to coach players for success both on and off the ice. Go to TeamOhio.com to learn more. Jay, did I just hear a cork open up? Cheers, my friends. Oh my gosh! What are you What are you drinking? Uh, <clears throat> we have ourselves a Zinfandel tonight. Oh really? I've got myself a red blend here, lovely that. Oh nice! Oh oh, the Menage, huh? I like where you're going with that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm spoiling myself here tonight since management's here. And hey, look at Danny. Danny's, Danny's rolling the Tisdale. Tisdale, and management has coffee. Okay. Now, why, there's Bailey's in it, but that's all. Okay. That's, yeah. Well, obviously, evaluations are taking place again tonight because we must have some good guests, and he has to drink coffee to stay up on it. Well, yeah. I, I think what, what happens is, is when he sees us all, you know, popping bot, all you hear is, <laughs> you know, he's like, what the hell is going on here on my on my podcast? Look at this. I'm, I'm all disheveled here. Everything's all cattywampus on me here. It's your what podcast. I'm just a passenger. <laughs> yeah, right. Saddle up. Um, it's like when they say aloha means goodbye. <laughs> Menage means three. <laughs> Woo! Woo! <laughs> and now there's four. Yeah, now there's four of us. Last week, we had the opportunity to talk to Bowling Green ACHA head coach Jake Richel and one of his senior defensemen, Bobby Edwards. We talked about the Falcons moving forward with their season despite the Tri-State's Collegiate Hockey League calling off their league schedule and tournament. Coach Richel talked us through how he got the program back on the ice with the support of the Bowling Green administration and told us that the Falcons would like to host next year's TSCHL tournament after this year's was canceled. You know, it was good to talk to coach and you know what, and talking to Bobby, we're going to talk a little about Bobby here in a minute, but talking to Bobby and how he, coach Richel brought in some sort of structure to the program. And now they're uh, at where they're at today. Oh, you see it with all the good programs and, and the discipline the structure. Again, as we talked about at the end of last week, one of the telling things that he said was he's in, in his recruiting, he's looking for the right people. He's looking for good people to join other good people and make a good team. So I really, I enjoy listening to to people of the stature of head coaches and, and other prominent figures in the hockey world talking about how important it is to be a good person. Yeah. You can't have, you can't have a team full of jack wagons. And, and expect to be successful because it just 
there's too much clash going on there. We don't, you need good people to make good things happen. Absolutely. And Edwards, uh, you know, he's from Cleveland Heights. So it was nice to talk to him. It was uh Baron cup week. So, you know, he got talking a little about that, how exciting that was, but he's able to provide some historical content on the BG program. Uh, he was a part of a, a good group playing at Cleveland Heights. Uh, they really kind of turned that program around as well under coach Babcock. And uh, so it was just fun catching up with him. One of the things that was awesome to hear, I mean, this is the, the, the second team or organization he's been a part of. It's, it's uh, in its resurgence. I mean, everything that was going on at Heights where they had to go away for a bit and, and coach uh, Babcock's got him back and heading in the right direction. And, and Bobby was a part of that. Now at BG where he even said, you know, when he first got to BG, it was kind of a, I don't know, a bit of a gong show. And, and now it's turned around and, and he's the elder statesman of it again, like he was at Heights. And he was, uh, he was fun to talk to Bobby had a good, uh, had a good outlook on, on how things are going. And he has a good outlook on what his future is, as well as the hockey future there at Bowling Green. Right. Absolutely. Well, this week, we're going to recap the league tournaments that took place across the state last week. We look forward to the four district tournaments uh, that have already gotten underway. Before we get to our first guest, we want to bring you a new weekly feature here on the On Air Podcast. With the American Hockey League starting up, we're going to check in with what is going on with the Cleveland Monsters. Here's the Monsters Minute, brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project. The Cleveland Monsters dropped back-to-back games at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse to open their season, falling 7-3 to the Rochester Americans on Friday before a 3-1 loss against the Grand Rapids Griffins on Saturday night. Zach Dalpy's power play goal against Rochester tied him for 7th on the Monsters' all-time scoring list at 107 points and pulled into a tie for the franchise lead in power play goals with 20. Dalpy was one of four goal scorers on the weekend for Cleveland. Goaltender Matisse Kivlenix was taken off Columbus's injured reserve and assigned to the Monsters this week. The 24-year-old broke into the NHL last season and has 77 career appearances for the Monsters. He'll likely see significant playing time this week in place of AHL veteran Brad Thiessen, who started both games over opening weekend. The Monsters start a three-game road trip on Friday night in Grand Rapids looking for revenge against the Griffins before taking on the Rockford Icehogs on back-to-back nights Monday and Tuesday. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by Team Ohio. Time in the rink as Team Ohio player is more than competition. It's about seizing opportunities to grow as athletes, being a great teammate, and part of a community. Go to TeamOhio.com to learn more. Let's get on air with Ohio High School Athletic Association's Ron Sayers. Our first guest completed his master's degree in sports and fitness administration at The Ohio State University in 2018 and is currently a compliance and eligibility specialist for the Ohio High School Athletic Association. Please welcome on air, Ronald Sayers. Welcome, Ronald. Hi, Tim. Thanks for that. Uh, really impressive that you pulled in that background. I didn't even tell you that. So, uh, well, so we do to you. We have a crack staff, Ronald. We have a crack can, staff that, that yeah. searches not, and digs. We're not just through. making this up as we go along. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I can <laughs> tell. I appreciate that. So if you want to go ahead and call Google and tell them to erase anything they have, we will find it. We're good. <laughs> yeah, apparently there's enough on there about me. <laughs> well, Ronald, I mean, what a year you've had. Um, you know, I've been able to sit in a few Zoom meetings with you and, and other hockey coaches. And, and so, first of all, from a hockey coach – uh, and not someone who, who's uh, running the podcast now. I just want to thank you, and I know other coaches want to thank you as well for the time, effort, commitment, 
you and others have put in to get this high school hockey season uh, up running and and doing the best we can. So thank you for that uh, ahead of time. I know we are very, and I know the players and the parents are very, very uh, thankful for that. I appreciate that, Tim. Yeah, it's uh, it's been, like you said, quite the year in general, but uh, I mean, most of the thanks obviously goes to coaches, ADs around the States, not just for ice hockey, but for, for all of the sports throughout. I mean, you guys have uh, gone above and beyond what uh, what your normal call of duty is, and that's uh, that's extremely impressive uh, in the eyes of, of so many around the state, especially when we throw so many COVID restrictions at you guys and you just kind of run with it. Uh, I know that was a, a pain, and I'm a, I'm a baseball coach myself, actually, so I, I know exactly what it's like to be kind of thrown out of your rhythm as a coach. So what you guys have done is, uh, is uh, something to be commended for um, and something that will be looked back on extremely fondly. Uh, over, over the course of uh, the next few years. Right. Well, with all of the COVID challenges, 2020 was a year like no other, not just in high school mm-hmm. sports, but but for everybody. Um, but it was like no other for high school sports in the state of Ohio. It started with the winter championships being canceled, entire spring season being canceled, and COVID hasn't gone anywhere, but the fall and winter sports managed to move forward in some fashion. As I mentioned before, thanks to a lot of work at the state, local, uh, and then team level as well. You were new, pretty much new to the job. Uh, and, and this has been like baptism by fire for you. Can you just take yeah. a few minutes to tell us uh, how the last 12 months of your new career uh, was? Yeah, it's uh, it's like you said, baptism by fire. Um, I personally feel that's the best way to learn. So uh, I'm thankful in that sense. Um, it was really interesting during the 2019-20 school year, um, we had a vacancy in our office. So our, our previous previous executive director ultimately took over the, uh, the sport. And as an executive director, you have uh, this, that, and the other thing on your plate so that you have to kind of take care of that. So I jumped up and I said, hey, I'll give you a hand of ice hockey. Um, I've always wanted to uh, administer a sport and kind of see what that's like. And um, ice hockey is something that, that I enjoy as a fan. So I was like, might as well jump on the bandwagon. And then uh, kind of working through the, the year went smoothly up until March the 10th of 2020. And uh, that's when we got a call from the, the governor's office that, hey, you have to restrict um, attendance at your, at your events because of uh, the forthcoming pandemic, frankly. Um, so that was, those were, I think, March 10th through March 13th were all 14, 15, 16 hour days for every single one of our, our staff members and working with nationwide to put together first off the, uh, the restrictions in terms of, uh, fans being, being allowed at the 2020 tournaments and then, uh, ultimately having to cancel. I remember doing 85 down, uh, 315 down here in Columbus to St. John arena to, uh, go to the girls basketball tournament. And, um, that was, that was a tough day. Just in general, you have, uh, you have kids on the, on the floor warming up for the, the first semifinal of our, our winter championship series for girls basketball. And you had to pull them off the court oh. and, and, and let them know that, uh, the season was canceled or really it was postponed at that point, but, uh, it was, it was, uh, it was really tough to kind of watch those girls come off and then to ultimately have our final four call as well that later that night, I think we had that call at uh, uh, probably about 8 p.m., 9 p.m. To, to let the ice hockey coaches know that, hey, we're, we're postponing the tournament for now. We're going to see kind of what the next few week, weeks bring and then uh, move on. And then 
ultimately, once uh, once the governor's office decided that school is not going to go back for the, the remainder of the 2020 or 2019-20 school year, that's when uh, everything kind of just was finalized in terms of cancellations. So it was uh, it was really tough to to know what those kids went through and um, to again see that at the at the girls basketball tournament, see see kind of the emotions that each of those individuals went through. It was uh, it was it was rough. Um, then moving on to the the 2020-21 school year was uh, luckily we had a lot more information from experts around the state in terms of uh, medical and in terms of um, putting putting events together and all that good stuff. So we were able to put a fall and winter season together. Um, it, to be quite frank with you, I am fascinated that we are here, that we were able to get through all of this. But again, that that goes to the um, dedication and the um, the work that all of the ADs around the state, all of the coaches have put in. So that's um, that's extremely important and, and really vital to why we're here. Same thing with the student athletes. They've sacrificed so much in terms of, of things that they've had to do and uh, with with the COVID restrictions. So what they've done has been uh, commendable throughout the throughout the year as well. So uh, I'm, I'm really glad we're here. I'm really, really glad that we're able to, to talk hockey and uh, really start our uh, started our, our tournament on the 15th. So that's uh, that's uh, enlightening and uh, extremely or makes me extremely happy that, that we were able to get here and, and through the season. So it's uh, it's been a ride, but uh, I'm glad we're here. Good. So getting the, back the, to that uh, decision or, or getting back to the state tournament for hockey on the 15th, um, UHSAA had to make the decision to move that to the ice house. Who And yeah. for those who aren't familiar, that's basically the Blue Jackets practice sheet attached to Nationwide. Uh, what led to that decision and how many spectators do you anticipate being allowed uh, in there for the state tournament? Yeah. So, I mean, first, first and foremost, we want to, we want to thank nationwide arena in general. They really behind the scenes, what they went through and what they tried to do in terms of uh, giving us the best experience um, while also cutting costs as much as they can. I mean, I don't think it's any secret that the, the financial implications of a COVID-19 pandemic uh, are widespread, not only for us, but for, for every single venue that we visit for every single school that that's a part of the OHSA. So that's, there's no question there. Everything that Nationwide did was, um, again, far and beyond the, their call of duty. They could have they could have just kind of brushed it aside and said, "Hey, we're not going to have you here." But um, they jumped through a ton of hoops. Um, the the ultimate determin ultimate determining factor that that uh, it came down to was if we were to stay at Nationwide, we would have to push the event uh, back a week. So when when looking at that, two things really came to mind. One, um, we didn't want to push into the spring season any more than than we already are. So for instance, uh, spring practice for baseball starts on the twenty second. Uh, again, being a baseball coach, um, we're we're kicking off on the twenty second. We're going to try to have as many kids there, but we also know that they're doing their winter sports. Um, so if we were to push back a whole another week, that might push into those those spring sports, and uh, especially considering that they they didn't have a season at all last year, um, they they didn't get to to kick off or um, first pitch nothing uh, in the in the 2019-20 school year. So that's um, that would have been tough to kind of get through to our schools, um, and then additionally um, a whole week of uh, of nothing else. For, for those student athletes to do is just a whole week for, for student athletes to possibly come in contact uh, with, with somebody who's COVID positive. 
and then you see a situation in which those those kids have to go into quarantine. And um, I can't even imagine a situation in which you you make it to the final four, and then you're ultimately told you have to quarantine before you even get to play those contests. And then we we start getting into again where uh, those kids are losing their seasons because of uh, of the pandemic. So we wanted to keep the dates. Uh, the exact same. So uh, luckily, the Ice House was able to step up, the Ohio Health Ice House, I should say. Um, Jeremy Rogers is our, is our tournament manager there. He does a, a really fabulous job with our, our district tournament already. So the, the familiarity that he has with our processes and procedures was, a, was a, another driving force for that decision. So we're really excited to have uh, have him running this the state tournament, and um, he he again goes goes above and beyond uh, anything that we ask him to do. So that's uh, that's really really great to know. Um, and then in terms of fans and whatnot, we're we're going to have uh, 160 is the uh, the amount that we can get into to the ice house. Which um, if you've been to the ice house, it's a it is a smaller arena. However, it is it is much more intimate, uh, which which I'm a, I'm a big fan of. I was able to be there last year for the district finals and. Um, seeing that place packed uh, at that time was was just uh, energizing to say the least. I mean the, the the noise level in there just gets gets so so high, and I, I even think with 160 fans, it'll still be able to be pretty noisy uh, in in that smaller venue. So, um, and again, like you said, the Blue Jackets practice on it, so it's still a premier facility in terms of uh, the. Uh, the stuff that they have there. Um, so I, I don't have any concerns with, with them being able to host and, and put on a great experience for our student athletes. Ronald, I have a quick question about that before I go to uh, our last question, but do you know what time the games, the, the semifinals will be played and the finals will be played? We're still trying to finalize that right now. Um, most likely the finals will be played at noon on, on Sunday. Um, on Saturday, we're still uh, still working on those times just because the the Jackets have a game. Uh, I want to say against Minnesota, or no, I'm sorry, they play they play against Dallas uh, on Saturday. So they're they're scheduled to practice uh, at the Ice House before that. Um, we're we're trying to work with them to get them onto the main ice uh, as opposed to using the Ice House. So it's just getting them off the ice and figuring out uh, what what times we have to work around. So we're that's that's in the process of being finalized. Does the full glass on the one side concern you if there's sunny day in Claire? Not necessarily. Um, I think uh, we had it, like I said, last year with the, the district finals, uh, finals, I was there and that was done in the, in the uh, early morning. Um, I also believe the parking deck provides a, a decent amount of shade uh, cool. coming through there. Um, so it, it wasn't anything that I was, I was super concerned with, uh, but it, it's a, it's a great question. So um, last thing, just so we touch on this real quick and then and then we'll let you go. And we do appreciate your time. Um, yeah. Last we heard, the previous executive director was behind uh, a move to two divisions, uh, at least entertaining the thought. And, and yeah. because of a lot of the mismatches that we've seen, uh, they mentioned uh, or the state, I don't know who it came from, mentioned that 2022 state tournament uh, was being pushed uh, by the coaches committee uh, for two divisions. Where is the Ohio High School Athletic Association on this issue uh, today? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question, um, and it's the the enduring question for for anybody who's ever administered the sport. So I think this conversation uh, predates me uh, well uh, well beyond from uh, when I even considered working for the OHSAA. So um, 
we are we're still having that conversation with our coaches association um or i should say our, our advisory committee um work with a lot of great people on there in terms of taking in their their uh their wants and their desires um it, it, it's tough to to kind of put two divisions together i think the biggest thing is uh, is to look at what that would do for all 26 sports as opposed to just ice hockey. So when you make a change that big, especially one that's, uh, that's bound by our bylaws that have to be changed by school vote. Um, it's, it gets a little bit murky just because once you, once you change it for one sport, it, it, it would ultimately become a request for, uh, the remaining 26 and, and wanting to expand divisions and so on and so forth. So, we're looking at uh, ways to avoid having the other 26 sports um, affected. Um, that's, that's one thing that we want to make sure that um, there, there is still equity amongst those 26. Um, but then we're also looking at other ways to, um, to uh, balance the, the competitiveness of our, of our tournaments. And um, there are a lot of ideas that are, that are thrown around and it was, I was hoping that it would be part of our, our, uh, our plan moving forward, at least throughout this year. However, it got uh, it got pushed back a little bit with uh, several things that have that have happened in terms of the office and, and me making a transition into a new role, so on and so forth. So you know, um, everything kind of gets in the way, <laughs> unfortunately. So once uh, once we find some stable footing in terms of the administration uh, of our sports. Um, I believe we can we can have that uh, that deeper conversation. But um, like I said, it, it's an ongoing thing. And that's that's something that we're happy to take in that information from the, the coaches uh, at all points. And and we always want to make sure that there's a uh, competitiveness uh, within our tournaments. So that's the that's the thing that we have to address, not necessarily splitting the sport into two. It's it's addressing the competitiveness. Gotcha. Well, Ronald, we appreciate your time, your insight. Uh, allowing our listeners to hear about what's uh, coming uh, in the next month with uh, uh, with regards to the state of Ohio's uh, Ohio High School Athletic Association Ice Hockey State Championship. So thank you. Uh, again, thank you for all that you've done over the past 12 months. Hasn't been easy. I understand. We get that. We appreciate that. So again, thanks for joining us uh, on the podcast. Uh, Ronald, uh, be safe, enjoy, and uh, hopefully we'll see you soon. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. I appreciate everything that you've done throughout the year as well. And and likewise, stay safe, stay warm right now, especially. So absolutely. All right. Take care, guys. Thank you. Let's get on air with Ed Dick and Sean Duffy from Sports on Tap. You heard our next guest. If you followed Baron Cup Championship Sunday remotely, they spent the day at Brooklyn Recreation Center calling all three games. Sports on Tap is a podcast that provides in-depth coverage of Northeast Ohio high school sports all year long. Be sure to follow them on Twitter at SOTP Podcast. Please welcome on air from Sports on Tap, Ed Dick and Sean Duffy. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey, how are you? Good evening. I'm doing well. I just want to go back to that. It's S. OT podcast, not SOTP podcast. Right. My my reading, obviously, I read at a third grade level, so I <laughs> want to make sure we get that right. So SOT podcast. That's right. Very good. Well, as we talked before we got on the air, uh, you guys did a heck of a job this weekend uh, calling all three Baron Cups. We're going to go run through a little bit of those and then talk about uh, the upcoming Brooklyn East and Brooklyn West districts and get your guys' knowledge on what's going on there. But let's start with uh, uh, the Baron Cups. 
The Coin Brooklyn Recreation Center was home to the 50th annual Baron Cup Championship Sunday, and the fans in attendance were treated to three fantastic hockey games as champions of the Greater Cleveland High School Hockey League were crowned. The Sugar and Falls Tigers won the Baron Cup Three tournament, which signifies the postseason champion of the Blue Division defeating the Canfield Cardinals 6-4. to The Tigers built an early three-goal lead, but Canfield's 50-goal scorer, Brian Wallach, got the Cardinals back in the game by scoring three times. Sugar and Falls pushed back, however, sparked by Tyler Bookman scoring a hat trick of his own, and the team secured the first Baron Cup title since 2008. Sugar and head coach Jim Rebeck appreciated Bookman's clutching scoring. And, you know, after Cancel made that push, it was a 4-3 game, a one-goal game, so then um, Tyler was very determined. <laughs> uh, so within, like, 20 seconds, he got that wraparound goal, um, and then even, even one shortly thereafter, to score the sixth goal, so he completed hat trick. It was a big night for the program, which has come a long way since shutting down for a year due to numbers, then playing an independent schedule before rejoining the Greater Cleveland High School Hockey League just six years ago. Finally, have we actually had some good numbers the last few years? You know, over 20 players on the roster, and then um, while we were doing that, these kids that are seniors now, they um, they were you know freshmen and sophomores, so you know they put in their time, put in the hard work. Got some good leadership from our prior upperclassmen. Um, and then, you know, it was nice. To, we knew we were going to have a strong team as, as they were all seniors this year. Uh, there's nine of them. So, uh, so um, yeah, it, it's exciting to, you know, and rewarding for those seniors and all the time they put in to finally get to do something with it, you know, and, and prove themselves. Guys, what'd you think about that game? That, uh, it was a tremendous game. Uh, I mean, Chagrin Falls jumped out real early, as you mentioned, a quick 3-0 lead in the first in the first period. Tyler Bookman really put his mark on this game early, and um, it was tough for it was tough for Canfield to sustain to, you know to really get to really go at Charlie Gunn. Um, they weren't very they their spacing wasn't very wasn't as well as you probably would want to see it, and then. You just had to, but you just had a feeling they were able to get enough pressure that you, they just need to get one goal, and it could have, and it could have turned the, it, it turned the momentum. That's exactly what happened. Brian Woke uh, was a monster this game, and you know, through no fault of his, he was the single-handed. He single-handedly kept that, kept them in that game. Um, unfortunately, he just wasn't able to get another teammate to score a goal, and it wasn't for lack of trying. Charlie Gunn faced a lot of shots from from Woke, uh, from Drew Rostick. And uh, and a couple other the Canfield Cardinals, uh, but you know, Garen Bunker, Charlie Simperman, Chase Rowan, uh, Roman, sorry, and um, Tyler Bookman uh, were just all over the place, and they really kept the pressure up on Canfield. Uh, the, the big turning point in the game, I, I thought, was Woke scored to bring it within four to three, and all the momentum was on Canfield, or was in, was with the Canfield Cardinals. Twenty seconds later. Canfield and uh, Chagrin Falls answered and put that lead back up to five to three and really stalled the momentum for Canfield. They were able to get another goal on top of that. Um, Woke continues heroics was able to get the fourth goal to get to six to four. And then, um, and, and and Chagrin Falls was able to run the clock out. Um, So that game was just, was fantastic. Sean. Yeah, I mean, the thing that stuck out the most with me outside of Canfield's, you know, inability to stay within the zone, to, to keep constant pressure on the on Chagrin Falls zone was the almost the exact opposite of Chagrin Falls. They had, you know, almost 
entire periods worth of time constantly moving the puck in um, Canfield zone. And that did not allow, and that allowed them to get a lot of pressure and shots on the goal, but it also allowed, um, it kind of frustrated Canfield because whenever they did clear the puck and dig it, they only got one or two shots on there and then Chagrin Falls would clear it out. So as much as, and take nothing away from Brian Wokes, uh, you know, uh, performance, which was fantastic. And I think at one point in between periods, we were like, man, this guy's on a mission. And he's and he just seems to always be right where you know the puck is and, and get a good shot on goal. And he had four of them go through. It, the exact opposite was for everyone else. It just it was if that didn't go in, they didn't get a lot of rebound shots. You know, Shagrin Falls is very good about clearing the zone and getting it back either into neutral ice or into Canfield zone and really putting pressure on their goalie. And that's what allowed them to. I mean, again, they had a three goal lead before Brian Wolk kind of for lack of a better term, and I hate that I'm saying this, woke up and started, <laughs> started scoring goals. But, I mean, you had a three-goal you had a three goal lead. So, I mean, you had a little bit of cushion there, and they could allow themselves to lay back a little bit. And I think that's what happened in the second period, even in the to a, to a certain extent the third period. So that was a great hockey game, but your day was just getting started. <laughs> Next up was the Baron Cup 2 final, another classic. Avon and Olmstead Falls went to overtime to determine a champion in the white division. And sudden death was sudden indeed. Mike Perusik scores 27 seconds into OT to give the Avon Eagles the chip. Uh, Avon head coach Kyle Botos and his players were elated with the first Baron Cup in school history. Mike Perusik scored the game winner for us um, to win the first Baron Cup in school history. So, I mean, everyone's feeling pretty great. I mean, it's been a long time coming for the program. It's been 10 years as a varsity program. and um, the hard work in the summer to now and with COVID and everything makes it a little bit more sweeter for, for us. So it felt great. Um, it's, everyone's feeling amazing right now. And then, so what were your thoughts on that game? You were probably thinking, you know, I hope this overtime doesn't go too long because we still have another <laughs> game after this. Yeah, well, what's <laughs> go ahead, Ed. Uh, I would say uh, not at all. This is a really well-played game. Uh, the biggest, uh, the, the point that we made uh, as the game wore on, specifically to Avon was the fact that they were able to quick strike Olmsted Falls tw- twice out of the first three periods. They scored two goals within 35 seconds of the period starting. Uh, but, uh, Matt Folds scored tw- 32 seconds into the game and it kind of kind of shocked Olmsted Falls for a little bit there. Olmsted settled down and was able to get, they were able to get two more, two goals of their own in the first period, um, including a tremendous uh pass and score from Cole Sigan to Thomas Terrell. That was one of the, yeah. one of the prettier goals we saw out of the day. Um, Tyler Pletcher uh, was, was very, very good. Um, same with uh, Ben Boca. The two goalies were, were tremendous all the way throughout. Um, I, I thought that Olmstead Falls kept the more, more consistent pressure over the course of the game. Um, but Avon was just able to, they were just able to, to, they had their spots very early in his period and they were able to strike. And, and Sean and I and Rob, uh, we, we talked about that in the intermissions and, and even going into the overtime period is, you know, really can Olmstead Falls survive the first minute of the, of the period? It sounds silly to say, but two out of the first three periods, they gave up a goal. And unfor- unfortunately for Olmstead Falls, that proved to be prophetic in the in the overtime period as you said 27 seconds matt folds to you know mike perusik 
for the game winner. We were just going over the team uniform colors again, just for those who made it too late. <laughs> and we barely got there because Perusic ended it very quickly. Yeah, that was that was a fun game to watch for me because, again, it was one of those things, like Ed mentioned, you know, if you watch that game in its entirety and just the pacing of the game itself, Olmstead Falls was in significant control for most of the game. They 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 were you know constantly in the in the Avon zone. They were making shots on goal. The goal Boca from Avon did a very good job, um, not allowing a lot of penetration, keeping a you know keeping the middle clean. Not a lot of, but you know when Olmstead Falls did score, they were you know they were they were effort goals. They were there that was set up through effort in the zone. But Avon just had that. It was their night. I mean, it really was. And, and it was so funny. Like Ed mentioned, he was going, he was kind of, re, we were resetting the game when the over when the puck dropped in overtime and 30 seconds later or whatever it was, we were done. And I think we were actually positioned right in front of the Olmstead Falls fan base. And if you know anything about Olmstead Falls fan base, they are a vocal, vocal crowd. And it got deathly quiet behind us when, when that goal was scored. There was some disbelief. There was some question as to whether it was a penalty. But once the refs made, you know, once the refs made the, the call, it, it was kind of weird. Everybody kind of fouled out quietly, and Avon went nuts on the other side. And it was it was really fun. It was, that was one of the fun games because we cover football in the Southwestern Conference, and they're just that's just as pivotal in you know as a rambunctious crowd at a football game. And it was the same way in hockey. I mean, it was chippy, it was hard hitting, it was physical, it was everything you wanted to be. But it was a fun game because it was a lot. Of, it was really exciting, but then it kind of lulled, and then it got exciting again, and then it lulled. So it was a really fun game to cover. So after that game ends, you guys head over to Dina's, get some wings and some beer. No right. free ads. No, you still had to get to the tri- the end of the. Cap off the triple header with the battle of the red division supremacy between Rocky river and the men Cardinals. They were the top two teams in the greater Cleveland high school hockey league during the regular season. So it was fitting. They were the last two teams on the ice on championship Sunday. Rocky river came away with a three to one win to claim their ninth Baron cup title and third in the last seven years. Here's pirates head coach, Chris Kogan. You know, we, we all discussed, you know, early in the year, you know, if we were ever going to make it through the year, um, you know, and we knew that it was a big year for Baron Cup, the 50th year, um, you know, and they really want to try and get in, but it's just, you know, with everything that was going on, um, you know, at the beginning of the year being shut down twice and all school, you know, different schools getting shut down. So, yeah, it was great to get there, um, you know, and, and playing the men right again. Uh, you know, obviously we had a bad taste in our mouth for the last two years, um, playing them and losing. So the guys, uh, you know, they really wanted this one. And like I told a couple other people, like some of the freshmen, uh, I'm sorry, some of the seniors their freshman year got to be a part of, you know, beating Shaker and, and winning the cup. So I'm just glad uh, as seniors they got to, to go out and raise the cup again. Guys, your take on that game? This was uh, – we, we were really looking forward to this game. It, it was the third year in a row that both teams balloted out for the Baron Cup 1 championship. And Mentor had, for lack of a better – they dominated Rocky River in the, in the last two years. So we were really looking forward to seeing how how Rocky River is going to was going to respond in this game, specifically early in the game. Last year, Menor jumped on them, jumped them very very early, and it was very tough for Rocky River to come back. Um, now Menor got the first goal in this game. Uh, Tyler uh, Villaniscus scored off of a off of a rebound. Um, you know, Christopher Kogan wasn't able to corral shot, and um, it, it, Villaniscus was Johnny on the spot right there, put it in you know for a quick lead. And then, you know, from that point on, though, Rocky River, 
kept very, kept constant pressure. The, the puck was either in the neutral zone or, over, or in the mentor defensive zone for the majority of the game. Mentor obviously would, would counter uh, counterattack every so often, uh, but it was really, really uh, very a lot of pressure on Garrett Davis, the goalie for Mentor. He played phenomenal. Uh, and not to take away anything for Christopher Kogan for Rocky River, because he certainly did too. He only gave up a goal. He did well. But Garrett Davis faced a lot more shots. Um, so at the end of the first period, he almost had like a miracle moment where, you know, Mark Johnson scored at the end of the, uh, at the end of the period as time was expiring against the Soviets. Owen Toole scored right as the clock hit zero. And, you know, uh, as you well know, we, we, there's no, you can't review that in, in, in high school hockey. So it was kind of like, all right, is that, is that a good goal? Or is that not a good goal? Um, and, and uh, you know, a minute or two, the goalies, you know, the goal is signified, signified in the middle of the ice for the goal. And, you know, Rocky Rivers fans were going nuts when that goal was scored to begin with. And when it was made official, it was that much more. Um, and then uh, at that point, it was almost as a matter of time. You know, how many shots could Garrett Davis stop without possibly letting one in? Um, Reese Rochester scored on a beautiful goal. Uh, there really wasn't much Davis could do about that one in the second period. Uh, and then, you know, as time was, ex- was expiring, as time was running out in the third period, you know, we were talking, uh, you know, we were talking about when would Menor potentially pull the goalie? Uh, would they be able to, you know, when would that opportunity present itself? Uh, the puck was in their zone so much, it really didn't present itself. And, you know, as, as Sean and I and Robin were talking about, and we mentioned a little bit before we, we came on your guys' show, but before we came on live, the best defender was Garrett Davis. And he was their best, you know, there wasn't a whole lot. I don't think there was a whole lot Coach Makito could do to, you know, to prevent, to prevent that from happening. You know, so it's like, all right, let's just pound the goal and hopefully we can get one past Kogan. And that just, it just, the opportunity never presented itself. And Danny Asmar was able to put the, put the game away uh, at even strength. It was, that, that was a great game. And, and what I, what I take away from that was just Rocky River to me from the outset of that game was on a mission. They were on a mission to not let history repeat or, you know, two years of history repeat itself. You know, they never got down. Even when Mentor was up one nothing, they still fought right to the end of that first period, got that goal. And that, that really, you know, kind of galvanized them for the rest of the game. They were physical. They were constantly pressuring. They were putting a lot of pressure on Davis and really kind of muddying up right in front of him. And, he, and you know, credit to him, he did a fantastic job limiting only to, what, three goals on the night. And, and we, we, I think Ed stopped counting shots at that point because at a certain point he was just constantly being shot at and he was blocking <laughs> or, def- or deflecting most of them. And we were trying to figure out, you know, where's, what's the shot on goal. We usually rely on the PA announcer to give it that. And I don't even think he did because it was just, it was like four or five on Rocky River and 20 on Menor or something like that. But, you know, Rocky River was, was amped up and they wanted to win that game and, and wanted to change the, the, the course of their, their trajectory of the season. So it was fun. That was a fun, fun matchup as well. So let's transition now to the next big tournament, which is the yep. state tournament. And uh, let's start with the Brooklyn West. Uh, obviously Brooklyn is hosting two uh, districts this year because of the closure of Kent state university. So let's start with the Brooklyn West. There's 20 teams in there. Your top four seeds are St. Edwards, St. Ignatius, Rocky river and Amherst steel. Uh, there could be some dark horses in there like Avon, uh, possibly a holy name. They got some good goaltending. Padua's got a really strong goaltender in Knox. What's your thoughts on that district? 
Well, whatever you're mixing in the, you know, the, the Great Lakes Hockey League with the, you know, with the GCHS HL, um, you know, the, you got, a lot of these teams do play each other just in tournaments and they, and, 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 and the like, uh, a lot of these teams and, and some of those teams were just in that, were just in the same hockey league to begin with, you know, recently anyways. So I, I think you're going to see a lot of familiarity here. Um, you know, I, I, I happen to, uh, you know, one of the St. Ignatius assistant coaches is a good friend of mine. And, you know, we, you know, just to speak a little bit about St. Ignatius, you know, he, he said that they're a young team. Uh, they don't have a whole lot of seniors, uh, senior leadership going on. Sorry. They don't have a whole lot of seniors, just in numbers this year. And, you know, they, they were, so there, a lot of their younger guys are playing and they're, they're growing up as the season goes on. Um, you know, and much like a lot of these of the other school that's being, that's been affected by COVID, you know, a lot of the team building aspects um, that that happen off the ice, they're just not happening, right? They, they, they didn't happen that much this year. So uh, teams have to use their limited practice ice to be able to, to, to be able to, to be able to do well. Sorry, I'm, I'm rambling on about that. Um, you know, but St. Ignatius still, you know, they, they played a very good, uh, they play a very good schedule as they do every year. And, you know, from what I understand, they've, you know, St. Ed's is their measuring stick right now. And St. Ed's has done, pretty well against them this year. As far as the rest of the league, uh, Rocky river, you know, Rocky river is, is one is, you know, they, they won Baron cup one and they've looked very good doing it. If they can continue, if they can constantly pressure, you know, any of their opponents, you know, they could potentially run into Sadie Natius in the semifinals. Uh, that's going to lend itself to a very good matchup. They've played twice already this year and Rocky rivers played them tough. You know, so I, I wouldn't, I don't know if, Ignatius wants to see them again, uh, especially with the amount of confidence that Rocky River has, having just defeated Mentor to win Baron Cup one. Um, you know, Amherst Steel has they they've they've their rise through the GCHSHL has been has been fantastic. Uh, they they are a very very good team, and uh, I think they will certainly give any team a run for their money. Um, that's that's in this that's in this district. Um, you know, Avon, Avon, they proved themselves in, in Baron Cup too. They, they, they have a quick strike offense and they've proven to be very opportunistic. So if they were able to get on top early, you know, you could see a potential where they can maintain that momentum get a, and be able to surprise the team there as well. You know, I look at, I look at the Brooklyn West and I, and I, two teams jump out immediately at me. Olmstead Falls and Rocky River. Um, I think Olmstead Falls has a bad taste in their mouth right now because I think they expected to win Baron Cup and they didn't. Avon beat them. You got to wonder if they can use that as fuel to run them through this this district. And then Rocky River. I mean, look, Rocky River faced a lot of stuff this year, as, as every team did. Um, and we spoke with Coach Kogan a couple of t- uh, early on our, on our show. And he mentioned, you know, getting just getting p- kids out on the ice and playing and doing, you know, and playing hockey was a big accomplishment. I think I saw this team kind of go down early to Mentor and galvanize themselves to come back and win. I think they're a dangerous team. I mean, obviously, you look at St. Ed, St. Ignatius, those teams are are there. You mentioned Holy Name, you mentioned Padua, those are great teams. I just think a dangerous team that nobody wants to face right now is Rocky River, and I would put my dark horse at Olmstead Falls right now. I think Olmstead Falls is a good enough team. They played really well in their 
Baron Cup final, but unfortunately had, you know, bad, I call it, you know, just bad luck or the stars aligned for Avon. Throughout that game, they control the pace of the game. If they can overcome, perhaps not letting their guard down early in the period, which I think they can look back and say, yeah, that was probably what happened. Um, they can be one of those teams that, you know, is, is, is fighting um, in, in this division or district. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just going to point out before we talk about the uh, East bracket, that just looking at the 20-team the bracket for the West, you have some games like Bay against Elyria Catholic, Normandy against North Olmsted. Wouldn't it be great if instead – so the winners of those games, Elyria Catholic won, now they're going to play St. Edward. Uh, Norman, and this one just went final as we're taping it here on Wednesday. Normandy has beaten North Olmsted. They're going to play Rocky River, which you said has a, is a pretty good uh, – shot this year wouldn't it be great if those games were district finals of a division three tournament or a division mm -hmm. two tournament instead of first round games yeah. in this bracket where your reward is but you're going to get caved in in your next yeah. game i i i agree with you 100 percent um I, i'm a former football coach at brunswick and, you know, I, I'm so I, I come from a big division school and I certainly understand that aspect of it. I, you, schools like, uh, you know, to your point, I think that's I think that's the most fair, um, you know, to be able to to, to create a, diff, a, a a division for those schools uh, so they can compete for a state championship. They can have a feasible way to get there because right now it just doesn't exist. What about, yeah, what, what about the fact that that we're trying to grow our game of hockey in the state of Ohio, which is a very strong hockey state. However, it's not at the level that we would all hope it would be. So by going to multiple divisions, and I know we could do an entire podcast on this, but <laughs> in going to multiple divisions, you're growing the game. You're allowing those kids to have the opportunity to play for something. No disrespect. You sit there and you win your Baron cup and you got to go ahead and see Gilmore tomorrow. What do you think? Well, I mean, come on, let's 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 be realistic here. I mm -hmm. understand the, the, the realism of this. So you add in a division. So there's two now. You maybe you add in two others. So now there's three. One that allows multiple teams to play for something big. And two, it helps some of those that that <clears throat> openly think that certain teams uh, are able to choose from all over the area to field their team. Now you have a reason to stay home. It would not, it would grow the game. Yes or no? You agree or disagree? Agree. I would agree with it. Sean? I would agree with it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would agree with it. And in, in, in under that respect, yes. And I think, you know, I come from the Dayton area. So I played my high school sports in the Dayton area. And I can tell you, I don't really know. In Northeast Ohio, it makes sense. Um, because there's so much like hockey in Northeast Ohio is a different animal than it is in Southwestern Ohio. It's, uh, or even to a certain extent, Columbus. I know friends of mine that did play ice hockey that got drawn to play for Columbus or Centerville or something like that. They would have to drive 50 miles to go to practice to play hockey, but they loved that. And because there was no varsity hockey team associated with any of the schools that I played with. Mm -hmm. um, so that's something that I kind of, while I agree, I think breaking it up the divisions does help grow the game and allow people to understand that you're not having, like you mentioned, you know, Canfield or, or um, Chagrin Falls wins their Baron Cup. And then you said they got to face, you know, Gilmore. They got to face whoever. 
the next the next round. And that's not, you know, happy for their Baron Cup, but now they know their season's over next week unless a miracle happens. I agree with you. I think if you – but my question is where do you go and how do you – and, again, this is my ignorance in hockey. How do you set those divisions? Is it, is it a constantly moving thing like football? Is it dependent upon how many skaters you have? Is it dependent upon how – strong of the of a program you have you know are we going to be is that the, the evaluation and the setting of the divisions is where my question is that, that's that's been that's been the topic of conversation how do you how do right. you allow for movement if need be on and on and on and, and like i said we could spend about <laughs> two hours on this and, and, and I it's way above my pay grade i'm just uh, the guy telling you what's happening <laughs> Hey, hey, cheers. It's well above mine, too. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so I, I just before we move on to these bracket, I just want to throw one note in here since I did all this prep for the bracket. But uh, I think uh, the number two seed, St. Ignatius, I think it's clear. It was clear at the beginning of the year they didn't have the same team they've had the last four or five years. Mm-hmm. But I also don't think right now that they're the same team they were at the beginning of the year. Uh, they're on a 7-0-2 run. Uh, that is includes wins over St. Charles University School, Upper Arlington, Olentangy Orange, and Northview, all, all, all ranked teams in the state. And the two ties were against number two, St. Francis, and number three, Gilmore. So just wanted to throw that in. Uh, and now uh, I think Sully's going to, we're going to talk about the East bracket. Yeah, so let's talk about the East bracket. You got your top four seeds, Gilmore Academy, University School, Walsh Jesuit, Shaker Heights. All Great Lakes Hockey League teams, as you mentioned, Ed, earlier. Um, some dark horses there, Hudson, Sugar and Falls, who are the Baron Cup three champions. Uh, this bracket uh, is very top-heavy compared to the Brooklyn West, uh, so the dark horses might be a longer shot. But what's your thoughts on uh, the Brooklyn East bracket, 20 teams uh, being led uh, by Gilmore Academy? I think the uh, we we because we you know this, you could call this recency bias, uh, but we did you know having us having just seen the number five seed Menor play, and 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 you know as aggressive as Rocky River was, and um, you know Garrett Davis played out of his mind and was able to keep Menor in that game. As we all you know, you know in hockey, a hot goaltender can take you a long way, and if if Garrett Davis can continue his play. You know, I could see you. Know, they would. They have a if they can get past Solon, they have a potential matchup against Shaker Heights. You know, a team that they are, they're very used to they're, they're used to seeing from Red Division play in years past. Uh, I think that will be a very good game. And then then you give it then you then you give it a shot against a team like Gilmore uh, in the in the in the uh, you know in the semifinals. Uh, Gilmore will most you know they have to play Mayfield after that potential game. They'll you know, they'll they'll run against Canfield. Um, I think they're, I think they're going to outclass Canfield. Um, a great individual effort by Brian Woke will have to be amplified that much more in order to to defeat a team like uh, Gilmore. Um, you know, so I, I think I think there's a real good possibility we can see a Men or Gilmore uh, semifinal there. And, and looking at the bottom part of the bracket, uh, Chagrin Falls played very played very well uh, in their game against Canfield. You know they scored six goals. If they can, you know, can they score with University? Or, you know, can they penetrate that defense? That's a bit, a big question there. Um, you know, and then you know, Walsh Jesuit, can they, they, their 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 resume speaks for itself as far as you know Walsh University Gilmore. 
uh, and Shaker Heights. They they just they consistently play tougher comp, you know tougher competition than some of the than, you know than the rest of the schools in in the bracket. So I think Menor, is, for me, is probably the the biggest threat you know to that top four in that in that specific uh, district. I actually look at this a little bit differently. I mean, I, I think I agree with you, Ed, that Ed, that Menor's there and. The, like you mentioned, their their defense and, and they can score and they can, they were the top, one of the top teams in the GCHSHL all year. I also would like to throw my my tip of the cap to Hudson. I actually got a chance to watch Hudson play in an early round Baron Cup game, and you know with 2020 being what it is, we didn't really get a chance to follow these teams um, as much as we normally do or or see live action as much as we normally do. But something about the way Hudson plays—they're fast, they're physical. They really can, they really focus on, you know, uh, correct spacing and really rushing the goalie. If they play, if that's their style and that's how they play. I really like the way Hudson, you know, played that game. They came out with a win. They dominated Strongsville. It was a very good game. Um, and I think they have the ability to kind of make some noise in this, in this division. And given where they're at in the bracket, have an opportunity to kind of get some wins and get deep into this bracket before they run into your Gilmore's or, 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 uh, university school or something like that. So maybe Hudson gets on a bit of a roll. Um, you know, obviously, like you mentioned, this is more of a, G, a Great Lakes Hockey League. The, the the upper echelon of the Great Lakes Hockey League is in this in this district. So more than likely, given the way you look at it, most roads are going to run through one of those four teams that you mentioned. Um, but it's going to be, you know, it, this is, to me is more interesting bracket because I think there's enough of competitors in this in the bottom half of this bracket to make it interesting and it's not just going to be chalk all the way to the finals right well guys uh ed and sean thank you so much for joining us tonight thank you for your insight again masterfully done uh at the baron cup we appreciate a lot of the people out there especially in this COVID time when you can't get to the rink you did a heck of a job bringing it into people's uh living rooms for them so thank you for that uh, and uh, we appreciate you coming on and sharing some of your knowledge with uh, with our listeners about uh, high school hockey and the state tournament. So thanks, gentlemen. Nice seeing you guys, and stay safe. Thank you. Appreciate it. Let's get on air with this week news, Dave Perpura. Our next guest did such a good job helping us preview the Padua Christmas tournament. We asked them back to talk about the Columbus District. Please welcome on air. From this week news, Dave Perpura. Welcome, Dave. Good to be back with you. How are you, gentlemen? Good. Nice to see you again, Dave. And, and uh, again, thanks for taking some time with us today uh, to talk a little bit about uh, your region and uh, the teams in your region moving into the Columbus District. Uh, but first of all, let's talk about the Blue Jacket Cup. Upper Arlington defeated top seed St. Charles Prep 3-2 to two in a thrilling Blue Jackets Cup championship game Sunday afternoon at Ice House in Columbus, giving the Golden Bears back-to-back postseason tournament titles in the Capital Hockey Conference. UA came back from a two-to-one second period deficit to win the game thanks to tying and winning goals off the stick of junior forward Max Robbins, his 28th and 29th goals of the season in just 24 games played. Golden Bears first-year head coach Hamish Baird was tasked with guiding UA's, or guiding UA's league title defense. It was a, a historic win for our program. Uh, it was the second time ever we've, we've won it, and we won it back-to-back, so we were the defending champions. And I think that, uh, you know, we, we came in and we worked hard and, 
and our boys really wanted it. Last year, Upper Arlington won 36 games and was undefeated going into the district semis, but had their Cinderella season derailed, not by COVID, but by eventually district champ New Albany. Barrett said his players have certainly not forgotten about that. Uh, we feel like we have some unfinished business, and, you know, this is our shot at, uh, you know, giving a run for the, for the district title, uh, which we haven't done in many years, and, and uh, heading into the, the state uh, final four. So, so we're very much looking forward to the, to, uh, the games getting started. What was your thought of that championship game? But, you know, not only the championship game, but the run to that championship game. Well, it was quite a run, guys, because you look at the game Saturday night against Olentangy Liberty. I mean, Liberty took them into the third overtime, and uh, and UA was able to pull out a win there. Of course, Max Robbins scored that goal uh, on Saturday night as well. They got a great performance in net from Garrett Alderman, who had 44 saves. And then Sunday, it was an interesting game because uh, UA played – I mean, UA played well throughout. Really, they just had a lull there of maybe – about less than 10 minutes where St. Charles scored both of its goals. And then, uh, then the bears really started to put it back together. I mean, Robbins had the shorthanded goal uh, that made it two to two. And then the way that the third goal developed, uh, it was right off a faceoff. Uh, Carson Graysock uh, just, you know, got the puck out to Robbins who was standing maybe 10 feet away, ready to fire. And Robbins got, uh, got the shot into the net and, and scored. I mean, that's just really, the kind of season he's had. I mean, he has more than twice as many goals as anybody else uh, for Arlington this year. So really, uh, they had to re, re, uh, reload a little bit is the word I'm looking for after that that run that you mentioned last year. And, and certainly Max has become uh, the top offensive player, certainly the, the go-to guy for them in big situations. The Blue Jacket Cup also has a consolation bracket for teams outside the eight that qualify for the championship playoff and a JV bracket. St. Xavier won the consolation bracket, and Olentangy Liberty won the JV championship. That is back-to-back titles for the Patriots' JVs, and they're third in four years, so the pipeline is still going strong for head coach Kevin Alexander at Liberty. What was your thoughts on how, how the, the, the consolation bracket and the JV, any thoughts on those or any, uh, anything that stood out to you on those? I can speak to the consolation for sure. Um, we really don't cover the junior varsity bracket, but I can tell you that, I mean, that w- when you go to consolation, uh, New Albany is one team that I do cover. Uh, they, they've had a, a very tough season uh, going off of last year. Again, I mean, they won the district championship, got to the state tournament. They lost a lot to graduation and um, they actually were down to 11 total players last weekend, 10 skaters and a goalie. Wow. Uh, one of the guys who was out was one of the two goalkeepers who has, um, who has split time, uh, Max Dupler. Uh, Brandon Beasley's been the big guy for them in net all year, although Max has seen a lot of playing time. So, uh, so they, they were able to outlast a couple of opponents. DeSales, who they were able to wear down eventually. Olin Tanju's had a pretty good team. They beat them in the semifinals, but I think it kind of caught up to them on Sunday uh, against St. X, and Coach Buss was telling me as much uh, when we talked earlier this, is week, this week as well. I mean, that he's extremely happy for what they've been able to do with some of the adversity that they face. They were expecting to get a couple of those guys back this week. And, uh, you know, we'll see what that confidence can do for them. I mean, they, they probably have a winnable game in the first round, I would think. And then, of course, they bump into St. Charles. I mean, that's their reward, you know, for winning that first round game. But, uh, but certainly uh, after only winning one game up to that point, they were able to get uh, a couple of wins last week. And that's, that's gotta be great for your psyche, uh, no matter who you're going to face coming up here. Were they short uh, uh, staffed or short uh, players because of COVID reasons or because of injuries and uh, et cetera? 
I, I understand it was both uh, is what uh, is what the guy who keeps their stats was telling me that, yeah, it was just really a combination of those things. And, and they've been without uh, some guys on and off this season. In fact, they themselves went through a quarantine. I want to say it was in late January, uh, you know, that they were out for two weeks and uh, and some folks on the team had it. So, yeah, they, it's it's really been one thing after another. But they're also in that top division in the CHC where you, you don't get any nights off. You're going to see St. Charles and Arlington and Liberty and Orange on a regular basis. Well, that's a good point. And it seems like uh, as we turn our attention to the district bracket, that this one is deeper than some of the other ones. There's some high-end teams at the top in both sides of the Brooklyn uh, bracket. And then obviously some contending teams in the Northwest. But it seems like, uh, you know, we've looked kind of here in the other districts at the top, top four to go seven or eight deep. Um in the district, in the Columbus district with teams that could potentially win. For example, the first round of the uh, Blue Jackets Cup, I saw Worthington, they slipped in there as number eight seed. And, you know, it was a two to one game that St. Charles got past them in the Blue Jacket Mm -hmm. Cup. So who do you like uh, going into the district tournament? Well, it's tough not to see St. Charles and Upper Arlington meeting yet again. I mean, and if they do, uh, that district final would be March 6th. That would be what the fourth time uh, in a, in a month that they will have met and and UA has won two of those games. Uh, in fact, the past two. So I mean, it just kind of seems like it shapes up that way. Uh, UA is coming in with a lot of confidence, of course, coming off that that win this weekend. Uh, St. Charles, I mean, UA is starting seventh in the state. Up uh, St. Charles is now eighth in the state. Um, they've kind of ridden their defense all year. They've only allowed less than two goals a game uh, coming in here, and then that includes uh, something like a seven to nothing loss to St. Ed's back toward the beginning of their season. So yeah, they, they've really had a very deep uh, group of defensemen that have helped pace them this year. And, and it's a big reason that they've won 16 games. I mean, you have a team like Olentangy Orange that is the fifth seed in the Columbus district, uh, but yet has played uh, a lot of the top 10, top 10 teams in the state off, mm-hmm. you know, so can you talk a little bit about like a team like Talawanda, who was the fourth seed or your Olatangi Orange or your Olatangi Berlin? You know, those teams that might just have gotten, you know, just outside the top four seeds, but could make an impact. I, I think they will make an impact. I mean, and, and I can't see St. Charles or Liberty or UA uh, beating any of these teams, say six to one in a semifinal or something. I, I think all of them are going to be tested all the way through. Uh, you mentioned Olin Tangi Orange. Certainly they're one of our local teams down here. They have four guys with 10 or more goals on the season. And they, they've been able to outscore a, a lot of teams. Uh, Grant Headley, Austin Nupp, uh, Peyton Muth, and Ethan Muth, the, uh, the latter two are brothers. All of those guys have 10 or more goals. So it's really a, uh, a pick your poison for opposing defenses. So th- they're not going to, they're not going to go quietly for sure. I mean, you look at where they line up on the bracket. They uh, they would see St. Charles in the semifinal, if I'm reading that correctly. Of course, then they have to get past uh, past Talawanda in a quarterfinal. Now, I confess, I don't know as much about Talawanda with them uh, being down in the southwest part of the state. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that would, that would be orange. I think we'll give St. Charles all it can handle. And, and you mentioned Berlin as well. Uh, you know, they would, uh, they would see Liberty or Upper. Well, Berlin would see U.S in a quarterfinal and then the winner of that probably would get liberty i mean you you talk about just a gauntlet just to get to the district final but that goes back to what we were talking about a couple of minutes ago with how deep this district is this year we all right so so let me champs from new albany i i don't know if you're able to do this but give us your prediction who's winning and who's the dark horse 
Well, I'll tell you this. I mean, you mentioned not being able to, I do cover UA. I don't cover St. Charles. Um, I mean, I, I certainly can't bet against UA right now, but I, I would be, I'd be absolutely shocked if it was not Arlington and St. Charles uh, in the district final. Uh, as far as a dark horse, I mean, you know, with Orange as a five, I mean, could they be considered one? Uh, it kind of makes me wonder. Uh, it just, again, I mean, it, it's tough to pick when you have such a balanced group in the top eight uh, as to who could be considered one. But I, I do think that at the end of the day, it's going to be St. Charles and UA for the fourth time this season. And a hot goalie can always make a difference in a single elimination tournament. We had the clip from the kid from uh, Moeller a couple of weeks ago with 28 career shutouts. So he's probably one that you want to avoid if you can. Oh, yeah. X is coming in hot. They won the consolation bracket. And again, uh, New Albany won the district last year. And, and you know, they, I'm sure they've been hurt by graduation. They, they don't oh. they're not quite as, you know, where they were last year, but they've got some players who have gained that experience. They do. They do somewhat. It's just the only thing with them is they're so short staffed. I mean, with only 14 guys, I mean, you're talking about 12 skaters and two goalies. It's just that it, it takes so much for them to stay in a game when you, when you can't be as deep as these other teams. So, I mean, I'm not going to say New Albany won't make a run, but I, I think it would be definitely a tall task for them to beat St. Charles for sure. And that's exactly what they would have to do to make a run. So, I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's just one of those situations with them this year that um, they're going to give everybody a tough game. It's just, it's just been hard for them to get over the hump most of the time. All right. I'm going to put you on the spot here real quick. You can't choose one of the top four seeds. So if you, you can't, okay. So you, okay. you have to choose seeds five through 25. Give me a team that you think has a legitimate chance of playing in that district finals. If I've got to go, what what you said, I, outside the top five. Outside the top four. Outside the top outside four. The top, okay. Well, in that case, I'm going to take only tangent orange then in the top five, just because that they, uh, that they have such a balanced team. I, I think that's what I would like about them. And again, I mean, they'd have to get through St. Charles at some point, you know, who, who has had a, a good rotation of goalies there. And, and obviously, uh, obviously the defenseman I talked about earlier, but I, I would, I would take orange and I, you know, definitely don't want that to sound like a cop out because you're giving me outside the top four and I'm, then I'm going to take the fifth team, but I, not, that would not be, a cop out at all. Not would a be, cop out at all. <laughs> okay. So one, one, well, that would be my guess. One last question. Forgive me if this, if I'm being repetitive here, but um, Talawanda. Do you think it's a disadvantage not to be in a league? It probably is. I mean, I, I, I have to imagine it. I mean, you're, it's, it's just not easy. Uh, first off, I mean, you got to schedule wherever you can. And I know that they come up here sometimes and, and play some of these teams. And obviously this is a very tough district to be in, but yeah, I, I imagine it probably would be a disadvantage. That's nothing against them because obviously they've put quite the body of work together to be a four seed, but yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure it could be at times, although you get a, a wide range of competition when it comes to those teams too. All right. Well, as always, Dave, your knowledge of your region is impeccable, and we thank you for that. Uh, we thank you for coming on and, and uh, enlightening our listeners and ourselves with this information. So uh, thanks again. Nice seeing you as well. Thank uh, you. Stay, continue to stay safe, and uh, maybe and hopefully we'll talk to you soon, uh, maybe when we get down to the Final Four. Excellent. Just let me know. Thank you. Beaver Creek defeated Archbishop Altar 3-2 to win the Southwest Ohio High School Hockey League Tournament Sunday at South Metro Ice in Dayton. The Beavers, who went undefeated in both the SWOH-SHL regular season and playoffs, came out on top in a much-anticipated title game that pitted the two top seeds, 
which had separated themselves from the pack in the regular season and received first-round buys for the tournament. Beaver Creek head coach Greg Gutterman said it was just the, late, the latest chapter and what has become a great rivalry with Alter, and the Beavers are ready to go for the district playoffs. Alter and Beaver Creek uh, in the last five years have been 6-6-2 six, six and two against each other, so uh, very evenly matched teams, typically one-goal games, overtime games, those kind of things. And, uh, and you know, all the kids in this area grow up, grow up playing together, so then they splinter off into their high school teams, and so it's kind of a fun, healthy rivalry. Uh, they know each other. Uh, you know, some of the kids made the top team and some of the kids made the second team growing up in the club level. And so they really uh, kind of uh, get a, uh, the opportunity to go compete against the kids that might have been at a higher level and show how much they've grown and developed. So it's always a fun game. The Northwest Hockey Conference does not have a postseason league tournament, but the final league standings were finalized this last week. Toledo St. Francis won the league championship by virtue of a perfect 12-0-0 record in league play. The Knights were followed by Sylvania Northview and Finley in the NHC standings. St. Francis heads into postseason on a major roll. They have a, not lost a game since December, and head coach Chris Varga is eager to get the tournament underway after last season's Frozen Four was canceled. Let's preview the Sylvania District. The Sylvania District is comprised of 11 teams. The top four seeds are number one, Toledo St. Francis, number two, Sylvania Northview, number three, Perrysburg, and number four, Finley. Dark horses in the region, St. John's, Bowling Green, and Anthony Wayne. I think worth noting uh, Toledo St. Francis, 22-3 and three on the season, number two team in the state. They have not lost since December 28th and are undefeated in their last 17. So they're, I think, clearly the, the team to beat. Uh, out in that bracket. Yeah, they're, I mean, they, they are a strong, strong team. Uh, Finley, you know, they play number five, Toledo St. John's, in the opening game Saturday. Uh, and that is, so that's a number four playing a number five right out of the rip. Yeah, with only 11 teams in the bracket, uh, you know, they get right to it there. And this was, I don't know if you guys want to explain how the how the brackets are put together but remember last year uh was it yeah. st john's went after northview yeah it was like one uh, and two or something like that yeah right yeah. In, the, in the first game so they don't actually predetermine no wh where you're playing based on your seed they've actually changed it up a lot and and it's it, so if you're the number one seed you get to choose where you want to play and it's actually almost a dis i don't want to say disadvantage you know forgive me for saying that but Number two, three, and four, and all the way down, can then they choose where they want to go as well. So, I mean, listen, if a path doesn't work for a coach's uh, calendar, they're going to choose a different path, right? <laughs> um, but how they changed it this year was that no matter where you sit on the bracket, the higher seat is always the home team. So you could be on the bottom line of the bracket. And in the past, you would be the away team. But the higher seed is now always, no matter if you're on the bottom line or not, they change. So that makes year. sense. So that's, yeah. well, they're, they're obviously neutral site games, what you're talking about for last change and that type of thing. The Right. The, yeah. Right. Interesting. I want, I'm, I'm hoping they'll let us live tweet the, uh, I would like to do that sometime, be in the room and, and uh, 
bring that to everybody in real time as they're putting the bracket together. Well, I can speak. Uh, I think you should. I can speak about this year's. We did it through a Zoom. My thumbs aren't fast enough. Yeah, and it, and it I doesn't it doesn't go that fast. No, 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 no. no. I, I can speak on this, and Lev was in in the Zoom meeting as well. We had we had coaches at restaurants ordering calamari and yeah. eating freaking cheesy bread. Yeah, that's yeah. the truth, man. It was insane. Guy was mowing down, making it. Who 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 went next? <laughs> it again with the Sylvania bracket, eleven teams, and then we've got twenty five in Columbus. So we've talked a lot on this podcast about the divisions, the uh, vertical aspect of it, if you will. But how about redistricting or or cutting it up a little differently to make it a little more uh, fair in terms of, you know, you're going to get one, each of the, you've got one district with 11 teams, one with 25, and they're each going to get 25% of the teams that go to the state tournament. I, I would like to see them cut it up into eight districts. Sylvania gets their own, Southwest gets their own, and then three each from Columbus and so, so you wow. so you pretty much do districts and then regions, right? So your regions would be so if you do eight, then your regions would be Kent, Brooklyn, uh, Toledo, and Columbus. Your what do you say? Yeah, but I'm saying you would have uh, a total of eight brackets. Right. And, and then and then each team, so there's eight brackets. And then the winners would right would play and they funnel the, down to those district. four regions, kind of right. like basketball does or whatever. So I guess you'd have to get a couple more rinks involved. Um, you know, for yeah, that but you, first, but you, you could do that. Games, you could or I do guess that you could just have two brackets playing out of the same, like they're doing now, I guess. Right. But, but, but you're right. You got 25 teams out of Columbus and you only get one to come out and you got 11 teams coming out of right. Toledo. I mean, it just, uh, that doesn't seem like it, it's fair. No, but especially like we were talking about how deep that Columbus district is. Right, there's, there's seven or eight teams that could win it, and um, and and I mean, yeah, like you like like we talked about Toledo St. John's and Finley, number four and five seed, they should not be playing in the first round, but they don't have any other teams. Yeah, was that by selection? Was that Benny going right at Johns? Uh, well, no, no, no. Johns would have gone after Benny because uh, Finley was the fourth ranked team. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so Johns. Is that possible? I mean, well, hell, they went after Northview. So maybe they're taking this run at at Finley. Yeah. I mean, I'm well, late to the I'm late to the story. I had to use the restroom, but well, if there's only there's yeah. Time. But if there's only, I mean, the four or five, if you went, you know, by the standard thing, they're gonna end up playing early anyhow. True. I mean, he might have only had he might have had a choice of Finley, Perrysburg, Northview, or St. Francis. I mean but early coming out of that district is quarterfinals already semifinals. Yeah. You know, that's true. That's true. Like it's, yeah, they get to it pretty, pretty early. And that's um, the other aspect of the, uh, the larger brackets and, and only having one division competition that we really didn't get to earlier was how long you have to wait between games. Uh, not, Not only are some of the top seeds playing, some teams that they're they're just you know you're gonna have the mercy rule go into effect but they're gonna have to wait a week or, or they're gonna play two one or two games in 10 days you know instead of 
you know, you're coming off the league tournaments where you're playing high stakes games against your biggest rivals, quality competition. And now you've got to wait around for two weeks, get a few, you know, low hanging fruit games out of the way until you start getting back into the, uh, the more competitive games deeper in the bracket. It'd be nice to kind of go right from the league tournaments into those big games. Yeah, that's true. But you look at the league, the year as a whole, it's been messed up to begin with. This is just an extend or uh, an extension of that. It's a continuation. So, I mean, you got to figure out a way to keep your guys sharp. This year's Cleveland Cup championship game was one for the archives. Saturday night at OBM Arena, Gilmore Academy tied the game with 40 seconds left in regulation time, but following a scoreless four-on-four overtime and three rounds of regulation shootout, Senior forward Jack O'Sullivan scored in the first sudden death shootout round to give St. Edward a 3-2 win over the Lancers. It was a rematch of the 2020 final won by Gilmore and was the first league tournament championship for St. Ed's in the eight-year history of the Great Lakes Hockey League. Here are senior goaltender Evan Reitzman and O'Sullivan following the game. My heart was pounding the whole time. <laughs> no, but uh, you know, uh, they scored the one and we just had to keep on going and you know thank god for him he scored one and i heard the back of the net hit and i knew exactly what time it was but no yeah now i can breathe that was a that was an exciting one for sure this guy this guy's been grinding for four years to be in that for these games so i'm glad we could get the win for him when he heard shootouts would be utilized in the tournament saint edward head coach tim sullivan made sure his team was prepared i've never in my 20 years coaching, either being a head coach for 19 now I think it is, or whatever the hell many years I've been doing this, I've never practiced shootouts. We practiced it this week. Sullivan won the cup in 2019 with Holy Name, but says this one is a little different. I mean, it's 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 the same tournament, but of course it's different because, you know, long tradition, uh, I'm happy to bring it back to St. Ed's. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk in like a peacock with that trophy on Monday morning, or I'm sorry, Tuesday when I have school, but... Um, you know, I'm so excited for these boys because they've worked hard. They're checking boxes off. We, we've had goals throughout the whole year that we sat down at the beginning of the year as a group talked about, um, and this was one of the goals. Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast is brought to you by Team Ohio. With reasonable fees, transparency, and athlete development that has prepped players for teams at all levels, Team Ohio is here to coach players for success both on and off the ice. Go to TeamOhio.com to learn more. Well, guys, what another great show we had here. And it was really good to get the insight from many different guys around the state to talk about different districts uh, in the state leading up to the uh, the state tournament. Not only that, but the, the you know, we had an uh, opportunity to talk about uh, league tournaments that just happened. So it was really nice to talk to some guys. It was, it was good to get Dave Perper back on, talk to him again. Uh, but, you know, talk to Dick and Sean Duffy. Those guys had a lot of interest uh, in what's going on. So, uh, as we lead into the last month of the high school hockey season, um, what are some thoughts from you guys? Management, I'll let you go first. Uh, it's great that we're actually talking about the tournament going on. I think uh, in a lot of states, I think we've kind of maybe not really thought about this in Ohio because it's been going on the season in some fashion or another, even though some teams have had to take time off and that. A lot of states, they're not playing any high, high school hockey right now or any high school sports. So I think the fact that, uh, you know, we had some great 
action in the league term. There were some phenomenal games in the Baron Cup and the Blue Jacket Cup. And I was able to be at OBM Arena for the uh, Ed's Gilmore Cleveland Cup final. Um, it's just an exciting time of year. And uh, now we go. Oh, you, you were there? You were there in person? I was there. Oh, okay. Witnessed it firsthand, up close and personal. And uh, fantastic game. And uh, like I said, around the state, there were some great league tournaments. And now uh, the stakes get raised a little bit going to the districts. And uh, everybody's uh, battling for one of those four spots in the state tournament down in Columbus. Okay. You were there? No. <laughs> um, well, first off, congratulations to Coach Revac, to Coach Kyle Bodos, to Coach Chris Kogan on their Baron Cup victories. Uh, we know those guys very well and uh, just happy for the, those guys and their, their organizations. Um, hats off to the guys in uh, Upper Arlington for putting together a season uh, that, that was excellent. My thoughts on the, the high school hockey year is, is like Scott said, that, that how about the fact that we have it? How about the fact that <clears throat> we're, we're able to have this discussion right now when a year ago, you know, in a few weeks, it, it was all going to end. So hats off, as I've said in multiple shows, to the administration, to the coaches, to the uh, management that was able to put together seasons through a COVID pandemic, through a pandemic, COVID or whatever you want to call it. Um, hats off to the players. Because as we talk about a lot, you know, yes, pros are routine. They're creatures of habit. So are, so are all athletes and they need certain things to happen to it, to make it feel normal. And, and the, the players, the administrations, the schools, the coaches, they made, they made the uncommon common. That even makes sense. I mean, it was a very difficult season for a lot of teams who had to multi uh, quarantine you know, the one that comes to mind to me is Shaker Heights, uh, who was who was on the shelf four different times. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, what we learned tonight from Dave was that uh, 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 New Albany was on the shelf uh, late in the season with quarantining. So the fact that we're able to have this discussion and, you know, a lot of stuff got canceled and a lot of stuff got made up and a lot of stuff got changed. But we were able to put together a season in the game of hockey, which is all we want to do. I mean, yeah, it wasn't ideal on some, on some respects, but you know what? We were able to have that and it's exciting to be able to sit with the guys today and uh, talk about the district tournaments to talk about the league tournaments, to talk about the league championships and all that. And it's just going to get more exciting as the month goes on. I and mean, basically we have a month left and it, it's the fact that we're able to have this discussion when, when, you know, when we sat with, with coach Farga and, and uh, coach O'Rourke, and Coach Boss, and and uh, who was the Sir John? And Coach John Malo. How could I forget Sir John? And and discuss the cancellation of the state tournament last year. We had no idea if we'd even have a season. And now here we are going toward a state tournament, and fingers crossed, and everything crossed you can cross. Um, it's looking promising. So. That, I mean, that's really all I have. Uh, well, I, I think I think you made a good statement there, Jay, when you said uh, it, it, 
the uncommon became common, right? I mean, we have, and we, I can speak just about our practices and what we do in our organization, but you now start to practice things that you've never had to practice before. I mean, I, I'll, I'll give a, 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 a true statement. You know, the rink that we played in for the Great Lakes Hockey League tournament only would allow you in 15 minutes before game time. So you, 15 minutes, our players are standing outside. Boom. It's like the gate opens. They got to get in there. They got to get dressed and they are on puck is like warming up within 15 minutes. Yeah. Well, for the week leading up, we won't let our guys into the rink to get dressed until 15 minutes before. And right at practice time, we went hard as it was like a game situation. We would never do that. Like if you told me I would do that last year, I'd be like, get out of here. You're crazy. Well, you know, and and, and to that, to that statement, some some rinks in in our state, that's the protocol. We are fortunate that we are allowed in half hour before. No, no, no. I so, so some guys, some guys, that's normal state of practice. And and here and like and, and to what you said, the fact that that became normal, that became the common, that right. is uncommon. In in a normal setting, you are there an hour, an hour and a half, two hours before. Guys use, as we spoke with others on the show, that, you know, guys use a locker room as, as a haven. You know, that's where they get away from the problems of their day, be it school, be it personal, whatever it may be. So, so you know, the fact that a lot of normalcy was taken away from these players because of a pandemic and the fact that they are still, I guess, lack of a better term, trudging through it to make it as common as possible, to make it as normal as possible. Hats off to all. I mean, across the board, hats off to the state. Hats off to the OHSA. I mean, the, the, the fact that, you know, we were speaking during uh, uh, the, the fall season that we don't know how in creation the OHSA is going to let us go. No idea how they're going to let us go. And somehow they found a way. Now, with that being said, we need to run back with Ronald Sayers because there's a lot we need to discuss. And that's the podcast guy talking because there's a lot that does not make sense in a lot of what has been told, been said, been published, been put out. But regardless of that, hats off to the OHSA, still keeping it going. I can't even begin to imagine trying to, you know, I, I, I know a small part. I know a small part of how this was able to happen based on the head coach that I coach for. And I don't understand on the grander scale on how to get every district, every team, every organization able to play. So hats off to them, man, because – this has not been easy, regardless no, no. of how much fun we're having, regardless of how good it's been, because we've had it good. But hats off to everybody that, that that's put the work in to make this happen for these kids. No, I agree. And, and I'm going to leave uh, our listeners and you guys on this note. What we talked about in just one instance, we talked about some rinks are 15 minutes before the game time, some are half hour, some whatever. People could be playing their district games – being allowed in 45 minutes beforehand and then have to go to a state semifinal game. I'm not saying the ice house does this going to a state semifinal game and you're allowed 15 minutes in, be, in beforehand. I firmly believe the team that wins the state tournament this year at the high school level is a team that it can mentally handle the changes. Yeah. Some of our upcoming episodes on, on air February 25th, Ohio university head coach Cole bell. March 4th, former Gilmore star 
Annie Fitzgerald of the Northeastern University hockey team and March 11th, the state tournament preview. We continue to grow the game the best we can. This is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast.